Praise the Lord. This morning, we will continue this series on the seven deadly sins. And I want to make some clarification here before I continue. All sins are deadly, <laughs> right? Don't think that only those sins can bring you far from God. Every single action that is sinful in the eyes of God is deadly for us. Because sin separates us from God. So we use that because it's custom and tradition in the Christian world to call those specific sins as deadly. Because they are somehow parents into other kind of sins. But every sin is separation from God and therefore spiritual death. So we should keep this in mind. As I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking of Thanksgiving Day. I was thinking about this specific scene of envy. Envy is one thing that will separate us from enjoying what we have. And being unable to give praise and thank Him for whatever He provides for our lives. So we will look at a very common text in the Bible. The prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son in chapter 15 of Luke. But the focus of uh, this parable this morning will not be the prodigal son in itself. But the older brother that stay home. And through this character we will see how we all are tempted by envy. And to be envious in our behavior. No one of us is immune. So let's read from uh, chapter 15 of Luke. From verse 25, we will be reading until verse 30. Uh, you know the story. Uh, we have this young man that is asking to his father the portion of his inheritance. And uh, leaves the home and goes uh, away from the home. And uh, spend all the money that he had living a wild life. And at one point he has nothing to live with. He is forced to find a job. Very humiliating for a Jew. Uh, person that was to give food to the pigs and at one point he, he realizes how low his life at that moment and uh, the Bible says that he came into his sense and he said I will go back to my father's house and I will tell him that I sinned against God and against him and I'm not worthy to be treated like one of his uh, sons so this story is telling us that the father welcomed him and he was ready to celebrate his coming back home. But there was another person that was not so happy. And we will look at this this morning. So let's start the reading of the word from verse 25. And uh, please continue to pray for me as the Lord give me grace to share. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entered. And treated him. But he answered his father. Look. This many years. I have served you. And I have never disobeyed your command. 
Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. We stop here the reading of the word. This is a, a picture of the good, bad guy. That's what I call him. The good, bad guy. And you know, our text is well known. But the character of this older brother reminds us that he has a very important role to play in this parable. Because he's the prototype, is the type of a person that is not rejoicing with the blessing that the people are getting. And because of that, he fails to be happy, rejoicing, be thankful for having a loving father that was willing to welcome this son that dishonored him. This bad guy, in reality, to be honest with the text, he was a good man. That's why I call him the good bad guy. If we look at some of the characteristics that we find here, we discover that he was a hard worker. He worked hard for his father. He never missed a day of work. Then he had been faithful to the father. He never disobeyed to the father. And also, he had never brought shame or disgrace to the family or to the name of his father. So he was a very good Guy, if we look from the outside. But nevertheless, inside, it was rotten. It was consumed by feelings and by attitude that were never expressed outside, but were kept arbor in his heart. And I believe that this morning, as we celebrate Thanksgiving weekend, we should be careful not to be like him. Because sometimes we can have a mask like this good son, but being rotten inside. We can manifest envy in so many ways in our lives. We can envy other people's bodies or bank accounts. And ask yourself, why I'm not blessed like my neighbor with beautiful cars, with wonderful family behind and good health. We can envy others' well-being, promotion, marks in school. We can also envy those who have more than we have in many different ways. Even children. If uh, we have children and we see other people, children successful in their activities or study, whatever is the case, we may have envy and harbor those feelings in our hearts. Let's be clear what is the definition of envy. The Webster Dictionary describes envy like a feeling of discontent and ill will be cause of another's advantages. Discontent that comes to see other people being blessed, in other words. And this is what the Vine Expository Dictionary of the Old and New Testament says. The feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage over prosperity of others. This evil sense always attached to this word. And this word is photonos in Greek. It means that you are 
hurt by the blessing that others have in their lives. And again, because of that, you miss the point to be grateful and thankful for whatever you have. I want to show you some points that we may find in this story related to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. First of all, let's look at the symptoms of the elder's brother's envy. He was full of self-righteousness and pride. He openly announced to the sins of his brother. And I'm very close to seeing him the same attitude that Jesus found on the Pharisees and the religious people of those times. Remember the story of the publican and the Pharisee that they went to pray at the temple. The Pharisees say, oh Lord, I thank you that I'm not like the man. You see the man there, the sinner? I'm doing a fine God. I do my duty. I pray. I even pay the tithe, even on the herbs used for cooking. And the publican was beating himself, saying, Lord, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said to the hearers, who do you think went home forgiven? The publican or the Pharisee? This older brother has the same attitude. Because although his sins were just as bad as the one of his brother, he never was able to say, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner too. And this brings the idea that in the end, he proved to be as proud and sinner as his brother was when he left the house. You see, the prodigal son was guilty of obvious sins of the flesh. But I want you to understand that envy is attacking the spirit more than the flesh. Because it's consuming inside. It's removing from you the ability to discern when you are wrong. Or when you are not in peace with yourself and with others. This brother reminds us. That though he was clothed outside with good action, again, inside he was consumed and not able to see reality. He portrays his own sins in the life of his brother, of his younger brother, and on his father. Practically, he reminded his father that he had always obeyed his commands. I'm righteous, dad. He was proud that he never left the house. Dad, I was here to serve you. So in the outside, you look great, so proper, so right, whatever he was doing. But on the inside, again, he was consumed by anger and insatisfaction. Matthew 15, verse 18, 19, reminds us that is no more the outside, but inside that arbors sin. Matthew, the evangelist, records the words of Jesus. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You see, the older brother was just offensive to God as he was the younger brother. And that's why he was envious. 
He was full of self-righteousness. I'm okay. I'm not in need, Lord. I'm not in need, Father. I'm righteous. My brothers and sisters, when we fall in that trap, we will never be able to be grateful to God. And then, another thing that was a symptom of envy in his heart, it was that he manifested a complete lack of love and forgiveness. He didn't show no compassion and forgiveness to his own brother. One of the simplest truths in the whole scripture is that if we don't forgive, we cannot be forgiven. The older brother failed to love his brother, to rejoice with him because he was lost and now is found. His whole attitude was one or the other lack of sympathy, of forgiveness, of compassion. He wanted him to stay far away, continue to give food to the pigs. That's what he deserves. And it's amazing, if we look in verse 30 of this chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, he didn't even address his brother like a brother. He addressed his father saying, this son of yours has nothing to do with me, dad. Do you understand how full was his heart of envy and lack of compassion? As far as the older brother was concerned, the younger brother deserved Nothing. Zero. Nada. That's the reality for him. You left. You don't deserve anything. Why you came back? And what really <laughs> made him anger was the fact that the father was the opposite. Show compassion and love towards the son. You see, it is impossible to love and envy a person at the same time. Either you love a person and you accept and forgive when there is repentance or you are envious of the one that receives forgiveness and repentance. In other words, forgiveness offers compassion and welcome. Envy rejects others from our lives. But there was another symptom that was in his heart. And it was the fact that it was filled with a false feeling of entitlement. I deserve it. I deserve it, Dad. You can look, but you will never find the older brother saying, I'm sorry, Dad. He couldn't in his heart. Because he was convinced to deserve what the younger brother had it from the father. He thought of himself as better and more deserving of a celebration. I deserve this, that. I deserve. And again, when you feel entitled to something, you are never feeling and feeding your heart with thankfulness and gratitude. Because you feel entitled. You don't say thank you. Because I deserve it. It is mine. It belongs to me. But in a day like this, my brothers and sisters, let's remember that we were not deserving the love of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that we were not deserving to be loved by the Lord. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. We all 
may feel entitled to have something from the Lord. God, I want to have this. God, you should give me this. And there is this false doctrine that pushes Christians to ask, just to claim it and you will receive it. As if we deserve it. No, no one of us could deserve God's grace. Everything that we receive from the Lord is fruit of His blessing to us. And we should be thankful. Not just uh, on Thanksgiving we can't. But every, every single day of our lives. We are so grateful that occasion like this keeps us in mind that we need to be thankful to the Lord. But every day we should wake up in the morning and the first thing that we should say, thank you Lord for opening my eyes this morning. Thank you for the breath of life that you gave me. Thank you for the possibility that I have to serve you today, to bring glory to your name. But this man was not, was not feeling like that. You know, we are called to examine ourselves and our motives. Because as long as we are energized by the boastful sense of entitlement and pride, our hearts will be filled with envy towards those who are stealing from us the attention of the spotlight. When we see somebody that is at the center and get glory or honor, we feel that we have been robbed of something. And that's why envy comes in. Instead to say, oh, I'm so happy that you had a promotion. Maybe we continue to harbor in our heart. Maybe outside we say, oh, I'm so happy for you that I had this good mark. Oh, I'm so happy for you that you got in your car. But inside, oh, I wish I could have it. <laughs> have you been there? I must confess, I've been there. We can deal with this. So symptoms like self-righteousness, lack of forgiveness and compassion and sense of entitlement are very important to be detected in our lives. If you started to sense those symptoms, truly look at your heart and say, God, change those feelings. Change those feelings, oh Lord. Another thing that we can see in this passage is that envy often breaks relationships. Uh, you know, in this years of ministry, I've seen strong relationships, family relationships, church relationships, and even work relationships being broken because of envy. And this older brother failed to be grateful for having such a loving father, first of all. As I was saying before, he could uh, rejoice to know that his father was so merciful and compassionate towards his own brother. So this guy, this older brother, was shown a critical and judgmental spirit towards the young brother. To the point that he didn't care, and not just towards the brother, but towards the father also. There was no relationship there. There was just the obedience by constriction and not because of love towards the father. Just the, like the father extended grace to the rebellious younger son. The father did the same with the older brother. 
and trying to bring attention to him. Listen, son, I'm not changing the status of reality. I'm not giving back another portion of inheritance to this young brother that came. I'm just celebrating because he was lost and now has been found. I didn't see this young brother for many years, but now I'm seeing again. I'm rejoicing, but whatever I have is yours. No one will remove from you your inheritance. No one will take away what you deserve. It's just compassion. It's just something that you need to rejoice. This older brother was so angry that as we read, he never came in to celebrate with others. And you know, when we have a, our heart full of envy, we are not celebrating the good things that happen in the people's life. We don't rejoice with them. We prefer to stay outside and look and being tormented in our feelings that are negative and not positive for sure. The older son didn't respect his father as he should. He broke the respect that was given to the father. In those older times, especially in the Easter society of those times, the father was supposed to be treated with much respect, publicly and privately. This son disrespect both the father. Privately, because he accused him to be unjust and unfair. And publicly, he was the older son. And as the firstborn in the house, he was supposed to organize the party and supervise the party and welcome with the father all the guests. That were coming to the party. How many times because of envy. We break the relationship of respect. Towards our parents. Towards our husband and wife. Children. Because envy. And because of that. We break the sense of belonging. Of family. And we give a space to the enemy. To steal from us. In verse 29, we also discover that a lack of respect was due to the fact that he served the father with the wrong motive. In verse 29, but he answered his father, look, this many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Another translation, like a new living uh, uh, translation, uh, quotes, All these years I have slaved you. I've been working like a slave for you. And you never give something to me. Uh, practically, this old brother didn't see the father as a loving father. Just as a master. And my brothers and sisters, how many times we fail to thank God because we see God as a master and not as a father. Because if we see God as a father, we know that everything we have comes out of his goodness for us. We are not forced to say thank you to him. We are not forced to serve him. We don't feel forced to come in church. We don't feel forced to pray, but recognize all these things like blessings that we have in our lives. 
that we may call in times of need and approach the throne of grace with full confidence, knowing that He is a heavenly Father. Knowing that we can call the Creator of heaven and earth as Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. It's no wonderful this for you. We have approached to the throne of God with confidence because He is our heavenly Father. It's not just our master that wants us to work for us so he can take advantage of us. No, he's giving us a privilege to work for him, to be called his children, to do things for the advancement of his kingdom because he wants us to be involved in his affair. And our affair are kingdom related. That's why. We do whatever we do for the propagation of the gospel. That's why we come together. That's why we pray for one another. That's why f- that we encourage one another. That's why we forgive one another. That's why we offer the finances that the Lord provides for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We recognize that God is not our master, but is our heavenly father. And he has already an inheritance prepared for us. That goes beyond what we deserve. The apostle Paul. Paul, as he writes in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15, say that we should never give up or get tired doing and working for the Lord because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, this uh, older brother, he thought that he was working and nothing came back to him. He accused his father of not appreciating all the hard work that he had done all those years. And brothers and sisters, let's be honest here. How we feel when though we serve the Lord and though we try to do our best to honor Him, we don't receive what we think we deserve. When we have been praying for something and we didn't get it. (laughs) We feel that God doesn't appreciate us, right? I remember something... (laughs) Almost 24 years ago, we were here in Canada. At that time, we were living in, uh, in Italy with my wife and our, our young first baby boy, Jonathan. We came here to present the kid to our family. And uh, during that time, Laura was feeling very, very bad physically. He had problems to sleep and everything, uh, breathe because of that. And something happened when we came back to, we're ready to go back to Italy, and she was not feeling well. I remember we were at the airport of Mirabel at that time. And uh, we were ready to go on the plane. If you remember, there were those buses that you were lifted, and then you go back inside the plane. And while we were waiting on top of the buses to go inside the plane, an alarm came because they thought that bomb was in the place in the, in the plane. And all of this was like being in a movie, you know. All the police, the firemen, all the things, they removed the, uh, the plane inside an hangar and all the passengers were uh, secluded in the hangar because they thought one of the passengers could have the bomb inside the baggages, right? So hours and hours of waiting. And my wife was not feeling well. Uh, the baby, uh, and I was wondering in my heart, I said, Lord, why do we have to do all this? Why? 
she's not feeling good. And uh, I'm dealing with the baby. I'm going to take the, the luggage, waiting. You cannot use the phone calls, nothing. Again, for security reason. And I'm not speaking uh, English at that time, even now, but it's another story. <laughs> <laughs> So it was very, very difficult. And I was really upset with God. You know what? Because of the delay of the plane, Laura's life was spared. Because she had a blood clot in her lung. And the doctor said that if the plane was living in time, she couldn't be alive arriving in Italy. So many times we feel entitled to something. But God is in control. He's on the throne. He knows above what we know. And when he doesn't answer, it's not because he's our master and he's not satisfied in giving to us. But because he knows the best. He knows better. He knows better than we do. This older brother completely Failed to see his father as a loving father that was caring for him. He lived in the same house. He served him, but without joy, without pleasure, without having a relationship with him. And he accuses the younger brother of wasting the father's money on prostitutes on top of that. But if you look at the text, it never was mentioned that the brother was a... Um, Spending all the money with prostitutes. Most probably did. But the text never was mentioned that. So in that moment, because his heart was full of envy, he just made a character assassination. He murdered his brother. Accusing him of something that was not evident, that he had no proof. And what I'm trying to say with this, that we must be careful because sometimes... We may accuse others of what we truly harbor in our heart. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore you have not excuse of man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And again, the fruit of the Spirit is manifested and applied in relationships. And the Bible says very clear through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Galatians in 5, 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us so keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Envy is the fruit of the flesh, not of the Spirit. And again, this brings into the third point, the results of an envious heart. Envy, as I was mentioned at the beginning, make us rotten inside. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. You see, this older brother is rotten inside, is all being, has been consumed by anger and jealousy. And you know, again, 
he addresses his father. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the father and calf for him. I've been here for many years. So you've never given me, not even a little gold. And you killed the fattened calf for him. That was a reserved for a special occasion during the year. A very important celebration. This brother was consumed. He was not part of the party. He had no joy in that. There was no hope in his heart. He missed the joy of reuniting his own family altogether. Because of the envy. And also envy will blind and steal your blessings. Again, the, <laughs> the heart of this older brother was so filled with envy and anger and jealousy towards the younger brother. That he forgot that everything that the father had, it belonged to him. It was part of the inheritance. The young brother already got the inheritance. So what he was jealous for? He never had the courage to say, Dad, can I have a little goat to have a party with my friend? You see, when you are fostering and harboring envy in your heart, you miss to appreciate whatever you have. And you look at the grass of the neighbor and you see it greener than yours. So instead of be thankful for what we have, Oh, should I have this in my house? Oh, should I have this dress? Oh, should I have these shoes? Oh, should I have this at work? We complain to the point that we miss to be thankful for what we have. We despise God's provision for our lives. And I want you to know something. Envy feeds of ungratefulness. When we allow lack of gratitude to harbor in our heart, we end in to become slaves to comparison. You compare yourself with others all the time. All the time. Your physical demeanor, whatever you have, your work, your job, your position, everything is a comparison. And again, we forget what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says that in everything we should give thanks to the Lord. In everything, give thanks. Lord, I thank you because I have this. I thank you, Lord, because you gave me a roof. I thank you for everything you provided for me. You know, I want to give you some, uh, some points of reflection this morning. Maybe some of you know this book from uh, Richard Stearns, the CEO of World Vision. In his book, A Hole in Our Gospel... He speaks about some interesting statistics that should keep us grounded to reality. He said this, 2.6 billion people, 40% of the world's population live on less than $2 a day. 2.6 billion of people. 1 billion people, 15% of the world's people live on less that one dollar a day. If your income is 25,000 a year, you are wealthier than 90% of the world population. 
If you make more than $50,000 a year, you are wealthier than 99% of the world's population. These are material things. But what about other things that are important for us? If we start to measure the freedom that we have in this country, if we started to appreciate the blessing life that we have and the extraordinary freedom that we enjoy to determine our career, our education, to be helped in times of need with welfare system, to have an approach to hospitals. Though we complain that service is not maybe the best, but try to go in a country where to have an hospital you have to walk it three days on your feet and maybe if you find it at a hospital you don't never here in Canada bring it even your dog you know not too long ago unfortunately we have to put to sleep our dog and we put it in a hospital I was shocked I was shocked the care that was given for the dog not even in the hospitals I'm going back into the hospital almost every day I never find it that Gentleness, not kindness. Uh, they even send us a, a, a card of sympathy after. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. For a dog. As much I love my, I loved my son. Uh, my son. Uh, <laughs> he was like a son. I have to be honest. We were there crying when this happened. It was part of our family for 16 years. But as much as I love the shadow, I honestly was not expecting to have all this care. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? We have so much to give praise to the Lord and to be thankful and to be grateful, to cultivate that gratitude in our hearts so we may live in the eyes of the Lord with a clean heart. And today, as we conclude the sermons, if you struggle, with envy, take heart. Freedom is possible. Freedom is possible. But it doesn't happen in one day. It's a process. You have to trust God in everything he does for you. And I want to give you three uh, encouragement and uh, three uh, applications that you can live in your lives. And uh, you can bring out of this place with you. First, let's learn to glorify God with a thankful heart. Make this a habit of your life. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as the sacrifice glorifies me. Isn't that wonderful that you glorify God through offering sacrifices of praise? To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Sometimes it seems very hard to say, I thank you, Lord. But learn to do it. And you will see how God will bless your life. Then nurture a rejoicing heart for others' blessings. We must also learn to rejoice with others. Paul is saying very clear, rejoice with those who rejoice. Be happy if another person is blessed. And if you feel some symptoms of envy towards that person, you know, take the name of that person and start to make a list of the good qualities that person has. And even if it doesn't have any quality to your eyes, be creative. Make some of them. 
and start to pray for them. And start to bless them. Start to rejoice with them. Because we have to rejoice in sharing the blessing. And then, last but not the least, nurture a content heart. That's the most difficult, but it's necessary. Guarding our hearts from envy also includes cultivating contentment and trying to avoid comparisons with others. We must remember that God wants us as children to be content with the most basic needs of life. The Apostle Paul wrote it to Timothy. But if we have a food and clothing, with this we will be content. That's my closing. If we have a food and clothing, with this we will be content. Contentment is being satisfied with God and Christ's sufficiency in us. He's saying, Christ Jesus, you are my all. Can we say that today before we leave this place? Can we offer a sacrifice of praise and thanks to the Lord? Can we all stand in his presence, please? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your goodness, O oh Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, O oh Lord God, for the blessing that we have this morning and this afternoon to enjoy your presence in our lives. And yes, O oh Lord, we want to give you an offer to you, a sacrifice. Thanks. Father, you are so good. And today, O oh Lord, we confess that many times we follow in the trap of being envious, showing lack of compassion towards others, but above all, feeling self-sufficient, full of pride in our hearts for our achievements and our goodness. Oh, Father, deliver us from this. As individuals, as a families, as a church, oh God, let us Focus on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and to understand that without Him, we don't deserve nothing. Nothing. So may our heart be filled with thanksgiving this morning, oh God. May your presence accompany us during the rest of this week and maybe today or tomorrow when we'll celebrate with our family. Oh, let the meal around the table be an occasion to give glory to you and be grateful. For whatever we have. Oh Lord God. We thank you. Because your provision are enough. At this moment also we are reminded oh God. Of those who have not. Of those who have less than us. Oh Father. Provide according to their needs. Bless them oh Father. We are no better than them oh Lord. But if you bless us to live in this country. Help us oh Lord to be good stewards. Or whatever is your provision for us and your freedom for us, oh God. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for my friends that came here, oh Father, this morning. And I pray that you bless them as they go back to their homes. May your peace, may the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. And we ask you these things for God's glory.
in Jesus' name. And all the people God says, Amen.